0: Food
1: tastes good. I like food. Food tastes good. Juicy burgers, greasy fries, the chili lady by my side. Food tastes good when I'm with you. my way or all these too. I like food. Food tastes good. I like food. Food tastes good. Trends are dying back at eating. I like
0: food. Food tastes good. I like food. Food tastes good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another bonus episode of Directors Club. I am Jim Lanskowski, and yes, can you believe it? I also love food, in addition to movies. Yes, Matt Strauss joins me. He's uh, put together quite the event surrounding the film Babette's Feast over at uh, Cathedral in New York. Oh, boy. You want to go out there on March 29th if you're out there in New York City for a four-course meal all inspired by Babette's Feast. And Matt reached out to me to sort of thank me for uh, partially inspiring this event Because Bill and I reviewed Over on the Directors Club Patreon But that's Feast So without further ado I don't want to go on too long with an intro I just want to you know, let you know That after m- my conversation with Matt You're going to get a bonus midnight snack Of Marissa, my friend And I talking all about snacks So I hope you're hungry First up is Matt Strauss Thanks so much Matt Hamburg- spaghetti rice french fried
1: potatoes and over easy and as you know i'm a fan uh i've been a I've been a listener for a while and uh got, got drawn in through the Keith Gordon episodes that you did in the in the past and uh and it's it's really been growing and changing and uh and we as as listeners are are, are really appreciative of it and uh and certainly uh keep keep enjoying and, and, and keep on keeping on, my friend.
0: Oh that means that really does mean a lot to me, as you know. And I uh I'm also grateful for Bill because you know, it was like, yeah, like even doing this once a month was wasn't always easy for me, and he was just like, let's let, let me take on the responsibility of doing it every other month. And he has got one insane episode coming. It's going to be like a <laughs> um,
1: man. I got you know, I, I I really can't wait to 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 hear more when you guys get together. I think uh, one plus one equals three. You guys really work off each other, and uh, oh, thanks. And, and get to some real great depth, which is, you know, certainly what happened on the Bobette's Feast episode. Um, like I said, it's a, we've I've been really was was super grateful that you guys put that put that out there because it was something uh, I had been tinkering with. Uh, it's a movie that I had loved in uh, in in my twenties, but had a sort of darker view of what what the meaning of the movie was to me, and got the chance uh, later in life. I'm in my mid forties now. Um, to to rediscover it, and uh, and it touched me in a in, in a really different way. Uh, I think in in, in my twenties I saw it more as um, a little bit of um, all you know all acts of uh, of piety and and all acts of um, of art forms are, are inherently selfish to give us meaning in life. Yeah. And uh, and and you guys, you know, in your episode really, really helped bring to the surface so many of the things that that, that I've been thinking about the movie, which is that, yes, that is part of this movie. And that Babette at the end of it is, you know, saying I did this for me and not for you. But but she is eternally grateful to these women for for what has happened. Greatness has happened during this meal where people who are arguing and fighting with each other come together joyously and uh I, it has a much warmer meaning and, and you guys really tapped into the you know the piety versus altruism point of view but that it does get to this place of of, of it get the, even if it's selfish the way it gives meaning can give others meaning and it can create um me, meaning to life in and of itself and, and if it's selfish at its core that's okay
0: Yes, and, uh, I totally agree. It's like a selfish <laughs> selflessness, in a way where, yes, you're doing this mostly for yourself, but you're also doing it in hopes of connecting to other people and making them feel good. You know, and I think a lot of people strive to do that in life. And certainly, there's so many ways you can through art or through podcasts or through writing or through serving a great meal.
1: You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 nice of you to say uh, and, uh, and and 100 uh, percent true on your end. You know, when when, uh, when when I'm having a rough day in the in, in the restaurant and food and beverage business to un, unwind and not dive into my, my coworkers and instead pop in a podcast and, and dive into the history of a, of a movie does does give me a solace that that that, that I really do find to be one of my bigger hobbies in life. And uh, and I hope for, you know, when people dine out in, in, in the restaurants that I'm part of, that they sort of feel the same way, that it, that it can be a break in their lives and, yeah. uh, uh, you know.
0: No, it's clear that you love movies and food. So uh, <laughs> absolutely welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Indeed. So, you know, based off of your, you know, your episode, it definitely, you know, pulled, you know, b- brought a little bit more of a trigger about the movie. Um, I had reached out to, to uh, of chefs in my company. My company is Tao Group Hospitality, and uh, while while we're you know we're known we're a, a, a large corporation with a number of large restaurants, including Tao. We do have other restaurants throughout the country and, and in New York, and, and I have a French restaurant in New York uh, that opened right before the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, that, we, that we that we've survived pretty well called cathedral uh if if you're in new york it's uh you you might know it it's across from webster hall in the east village area um and i've got a great team there uh a corporate executive chef uh and i are both really big fans of this restaurant and we've got a you know uh another head chef there and uh post your episode we started texting back and forth i'm like hey guys you ever see it and uh they both were. One of them said, like it was mandatory in culinary school to watch Babette's <laughs> wow. Feast. Wow! Like that was just, you know, to understand the, you know, that link between art and the food that they make. I, I found that fascinating. Uh, and my corporate chef, you know, and I started really chatting about it. And, and he said, why don't we why don't we try to give this a shot? Uh, I, you know, I've, I I would love to recreate it. And and him and I started talking about meals that he used to do back in the '80s. Um, you know, at grand restaurants where they would do big menus and turn down the lights and do a candlelight, and he said, maybe let's tap into some of that in that world. and um I didn't want to do it w- w- without having a, a theater partner. So uh, a- after reaching out to uh, a few theaters, um Harris do a wonderful gentleman at the uh, who oversees programming at the IFC center, hmm. um, he loved the idea. Um, and he put us right in touch with the Criterion Collection and Janus Films who own the rights to Babette's Feast and he's like listen this was a, this was you know late January early February said listen if you if you, I have a window you know late May to screen it for you know you know four four or five screenings if you want to get it done by, by then i think we can pull this off so it went from being a you know a pie in the sky idea into a, into a fire drill which has been really exciting for 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 me and my 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 culinary team and my marketing team, who's you know more used to a different style of uh, of marketing and not and not doing this sort of upper crusted idea of of dining. Because when when Bobette's Feast came out in 1987 and and won the best foreign film in '88, um, it it wasn't a movie that young people were going to then. Mm, yeah, so. So who's really around now, you know, that that really remembers it from the theater of that time. But but it turns out the movie has an enormous following, both both with the press and, and with fans. And, uh, you know, really excited to say we've gotten some some great press on it uh, in the New York Times, and the New York Post this last week. And uh, uh, the dinner will be I'm not sure when this uh, podcast is playing but um, it, it, the, the dinner will be Wednesday, March 29th, so four days from now. Uh, my team is super excited. We, we've brought in old-world glassware. We're turning all the lights down, doing everything candlelit, and completely recreating every level of the meal that wow. we're you know, really excited about. And, and I do want to thank you, Jim, because you're part of the reason, part of the inspiration, uh, you and Bill, uh, for, for pulling this together. Well, of course you have to thank yourself
0: for suggesting us <laughs> to watch this movie. And I mean, I, I plan to see it obviously at some point down the road, but you, you provided the uh, motivation to get to it a lot sooner. <laughs> and once we both sat down and watched it, we were like, Holy crap, this is great. <laughs> you know, and you heard us talk about why it's so great. And uh, I'm so thrilled to hear that like there is a pairing going on where people can see the movie, enjoy the meal and uh, you probably worked hard to make all of this happen, so be sure to pat yourself on the back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll I'll uh, i pat myself on the back when, when I'm you know drinking Claude de Bourgeois with the with the third course of quail in a puff pastry. That that'll uh, <laughs> that that'll be when I, that'll be when I finally relax on it. Um, but it, but but it's been a real joy. And uh, and like I said, the IFC Center has been really awesome about it. My marketing team, we could they they they. they they didn't know the movie, uh, and and were able to watch it. They cut their own trailer that's playing in front of all the movies at the IFC Center right now. Um, so it's been uh, it's it's definitely been a joyful experience, and uh, sounds like and, and exciting to see it come to fruition. So if any of your listeners are interested, um, the restaurant is is, is Cathedral. Uh, in New York City, New York City, it's easy to Google, and, and the link to the dinner is right on there, and on our Instagram account as well, Cathedral New York. Uh, but this isn't really about a plug. This is more of a thank you, and um, me loving talking about movies, and and um, uh, us chatting together about even over email about other uh, food movies uh, has me excited to sort of wet 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 the appetite on, on 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 other great movies. As my team is had fun with this. They said, are, are there any other movies we could do this with next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, big night is definitely one of them I would suggest,
0: but um, certainly, um, I hope, I hope the listeners are hungry because we, uh, we have quite the meal here in store. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I gotta say, I think the, uh, the first, I don't know if it was the first food movie, quote unquote, but um, for our appetizer, we have Larry Cohen's, the stuff And I saw it pretty young. You know, my, my dad was, was pretty liberal and chill and just like, ah, if you want to watch this, go ahead. You know, and it was on cable and it late at night once. And just, just, I wasn't prepared necessarily for some of the, you know, insane imagery of like the dog eating the stuff. And it's like, you see it consuming (laughs) him at one point. So that's, yeah, that's like a memorable image, but also now I watch it and I laugh. So, it just goes to show like how memory works on you, where, as if you see it at an impressionable age, you're like, "Oh God, that's terrifying." And then you get older and you're like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. Why did I find that scary?
1: <laughs> um, no, it's It's wild how film can do that and 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 what gives you kinder trauma in your youth yes. becomes something that is is so defining of a characteristic in your life that it becomes something that you want to wear on a t-shirt later in life.
0: But I think the the thing about this movie, first and foremost, is really it's you know less about let's sh- you know show you something appetizing that you're going to want to consume. It's certainly a, it, it's a satire, which is what Larry Cohen was kind of known for. You know he he sort of uh, I guess you could say. was just anti-establishment and loved to make social commentary on mass consumerism gone awry. And this is a, a clear example of that in the, you know, sort of the diet craze era. And, you know, clearly fast food chains were you know, insane (laughs) taking over. And I just remember like even things like pizza hut were like trying to appeal to kids and just like, Hey, if you read a book, you get a free personal pizza, you know? And like, that's the thing too. The the stuff in this movie can be anything. It could be pizza. It could be sugar. It could be caffeine. It could be cocaine, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And, and and which would be appropriate for the eighties, but I, I don't eat a lot of yogurt, but I am a fan of frozen yogurt. And I mean, certainly this is a fun movie and this is a weird, twisted, crazy Larry Cohen movie. So you kind of know what you're in for, especially once Michael Moriarty shows up, who's always memorable and you, what, what, cue the winged serpent is worth seeing for his performance
1: alone. One hundred percent. I was in the Chrysler building, uh, a, <laughs> a few weeks ago and, and, and got to relive some of those, uh. Some of those memories as well. And and his character in the stuff, Mo, Mo Rutherford, is that yep, right? Yep, you got it. Oh uh, yeah, that, that introduction of him on the boat in that first <laughs> five minutes is one of the great first introductions of any character in in any movie. He's he's he was never better than he is in Larry Cohn movies.
0: Absolutely, and th- I would say the film tries to tackle a lot. I mean, capitalism, diet foods, and even the military-industrial complex. Um, that third act. <laughs> yep, when, when when the late great Paul Servino shows up as Colonel Spears. What can I say? I'm I am laughing. I'm on totally on board with this. And you know, it's it, it, it's funny just to think of like how prescient a lot of his films were, and I think this reflected the era perfectly. But also just we're still obsessed with food crazes or new shiny things that are on pallet displays in your local grocery store. Like sometimes I will indulge, like I'll just buy a twenty ounce bottle of a new soda pop flavor because, like, ooh, this is new and different. They they put strawberries and cream and Dr Pepper. I have to try it. So that's why, I, like, when I watch this stuff, I kind of get it. I kind of get what this movie's going for. And on top of that, it's just a hilarious twisted horror comedy. That uh, I, I think everybody who's seen it knows it's kind of a classic now called classic.
1: Absolutely. Great, great appetizer, Jim. Very, very strong. I'm uh, I, I, I have a similar history uh, with the film where uh, I grew up in New York City and used to take the New York City public bus home from school. And the poster of this movie uh, couldn't have misrepresented the film more. It looked like gross out horror movie with just a guy with his mouth open, looked like a zombie. And it actually was, was quite traumatic. I think I probably was in fifth grade seeing it. And so I, I never got around to it until a, a Larry Cohen discovery of just who he was in general about, about six years ago or so. And, um, and Q and, and, uh, and the stuff uh, and Bones were the three that that, that, that I really enjoyed the most uh, uh, of his work. And, you know, the stuff that uh, all of them, all of the Mo Rutherford scenes in New York City when he's going to the, <laughs> the ad agency and talking to the people and, and working the line there, it, um, it, it really nails all of those topics that, about, you know, consumerism, but also shows you the 80s. And, and Larry Cohen was so great at that. I see it the most as a metaphor, I think, for cigarettes. Sure. Um, No, definitely it can be it can be anything but 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 just how how much they wanted to you know i, I think that's what lower what I, what I would guess larry was going for about how it was marketed to kids and made to be so fun and and playful the the it's great to see paul Sorvino towards the end but it loses me a little in the end i think he like i, I think you nailed it by saying he's he's trying to pack a little too much yes. into it yes but man is it a joy and just just when you think it's one thing in new york it jumps to like a rural area and you're like what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an adventure, and it, it's not the horror movie that I think most people who grew up in the '80s think it is. From its bad marketing and posters, it's definitely worth checking out, and a, and and a really great appetizer to start start our meal off with here.
0: Yes, I I completely agree, and it's people. This is not Blood Diner, you know. Like people, people <laughs> you might think looking at that poster. I certainly remember it as well, but um, a pleasant surprise and yeah. one of those rare kind of like crossover movies that, you know, even my dad enjoyed because he wasn't big into horror, but horror comedy. Yes. Like he could get on board when he knew that the filmmaker had a sense of humor when he was trying to be gross.
1: (laughs) Oh, Larry sure did, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a hell
0: of a storyteller. I pr- he probably could have had his own podcast, and I wish that was possible. Yeah. But um, have you have you seen his documentary, King Cohen? Yes. Yes. I interviewed yeah. him for it. Actually, no it's, way. Uh, it's somewhere in the archives. I'll have to look for it. It oh, was I'm a definitely going to
1: track that one down. Yeah. So, no. What a what a legendary guy. And uh, and it was the discovery of that documentary that got me to track his stuff down. So our
0: main course has to be Big Night.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I I don't eat as much Italian. It's like the whole oh you should watch your carbs and you know I'm I'm trying to dial back a little bit in in the, in that regard. Where it's like uh, I don't want to consume too much pasta because then I just feel like uh, you know I I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a basically the uh, the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but <laughs> it's 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 a fantastic movie in every way like. You know, movies that take place kind of like in the course of one big event or an evening automatically m- make me perk up going back to my love of, you know, something like After Hours. But I I just remember Ebert's review saying that this is one of the all-time great food movies and like how it says, you know, so, so much about food as being like its own language. In the, in the same way, like we think of music as the universal language, food in of itself Clearly, we need it for sustenance, but it helps communicate a lot between people, um, especially when you're cooking something. It can be an act of intimacy, you know. <laughs> um, there, there's just a, a striking difference between, you know, going out and ha- having a nice restaurant meal with with a partner. But then when you're cooking for them, it's it's kind of a whole other level. Uh, this is like perhaps a little bit of a successor in a way to Bobette's ba- Feast, you know, because okay. – yeah, you have the acting team of Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub as restaurant own- restaurant owning brothers. How can you go wrong with that pairing alone? Uh, <laughs> but it's also just a wonderful movie about you know familial brotherly relations and the immigrant experience, and of course the sort of like waiting for Godot <laughs> experience of business owners hoping to meet uh, an icon that hopefully will lead to more recognition for them. And oh. The food in this has to make you hungry, you know, and that big, oh gosh, I didn't write it down. You know, the big thing that he makes, yes. <laughs> oh God, it just looks like it would destroy me, but I want some, um, <laughs> it's just, and, 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 you know, everybody kind of knows this. I don't need to go on and on, but it's one of the all time great movie endings, you know, the, the final sequence, when, when something plays out in silence and you don't need words, I just, I am, I'm am loving that choice that they made here. Um, it's like a five minute scene of making an omelet and the final moment, the final gesture, um, is very moving. Incredibly so. Um, and I, Tucci co-directed this movie alongside, uh, Campbell Scott and, I wish they'd done more (laughs) because this is so wonderful, you know, and it, it makes you feel a lot of different things. And you really do care about these characters. That's kind of why that final scene works so well. They don't need to say anything to one another because we feel it all in that moment. So this is a great film.
1: No, no, no doubt. Uh, it, the movie is it, the it, it leads you through an emotional roller coaster in the same way that the meal does. Uh, I looked up what the big dish was. It's called a timpano. Yes. Thank you. Uh, that's the big tower of, uh, of pasta on top of everything that gets thrown together in it. Um, and, and just such a it, it, the year of 1996 when this came out is a tremendous year of movies. And, and it uh, stands right alongside the greats of that year of Fargo of Lone Star, in my, in my opinion, oh, yeah. and, uh, and, a, and a few others. Um, there's a moment that Ian Holm mm. has in the movie uh, with Stanley Tucci's character after, you know, Stanley Tucci realizes that um, uh, Louis Primo was probably not coming and that Ian Holm might have been set him up and not. Maybe I'm giving away too much here of a spoiler. Um, but he turns to him and says, your brother is an amazing chef one of the best I've ever seen, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, I am a businessman. I know how to give people in restaurants what they want, which begs the question, what is it that you do? Mm. And it is heartbreaking. And it is, you know, the entire movie, we're watching Stanley Tucci doing everything in his power, trying everything to bring that great restaurant experience to the world. And it's just like a gut punch that like, you rarely feel so connected to yeah. in movies, and I think it connects back to Bobette's, um, you know, finding meaning in your work, finding meaning through through these kind of actions as well. Um, very special movie, I, I, it's certainly a main course. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, Many drivers, best performance of her career, in my in my humble opinion. Um, and uh, Isabella, and
0: Isabella Rossellini's in this as well. Yeah, she's great.
1: Cellini and uh, and you mentioned Tony Shark character. Yeah uh, really great stuff. Um, am I losing you a little bit? Did I lose you there? I don't think
0: so. I think uh, there was a little bit of a lag but hopefully you know Zoom will clear that up or I always I always record a backup just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, all good. did they they never did another movie together, right? No no sadly not. Um, and I liked, I really liked Campbell Scott when, around this time, I mean, he was in a lot of indie movies. I mean, I, I of course knew him early on from singles, but I, yeah. I always liked that guy. And he was so good in this movie called Roger Dodger. And yeah, of course. And I, I just kind of want to go, where's Campbell Scott these days? He's probably on TV like everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's, you know, he, he's gone the Kyle MacLachlan route, you know, in, in, mm. In the later side of his career being a, a wall street bad guy and things or uh, yeah. you know, an um, uh, ominous presence but um well, they, yeah, both, they both love- have similar
0: hair so maybe that's why
1: yeah i think i think tucci has certainly re- ridden on the food thing from big night into you know into what he's doing now on cnn but he's had such a tremendous career in so many other other great works um, had the day trippers around this time. That, yep. that that's one of my favorite. And he is in in the movie for all of four minutes, and 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 brings that movie home. But but a, but a truly great one. Uh, but a big night is is a, a, in the you know top. I I don't love the expression of like the Mount Rushmore of food movies, but in my eyes, it's 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 Bobette's, it's Big Night, and maybe one or two others. That if you know if you're you know looking to really see the greats, it's definitely one of them.
0: Oh yeah. And we'll definitely rattle off some midnight snacks later on <laughs> after we get to our dessert, which I don't know if there's a more appropriate movie for dessert than Adrian Shelley's waitress, which um at one point we hear the line, if life was only as easy as pie. And I completely agree. But that opening shot of those, chocolate chips being slathered and custard. I just went, "Uh Oh, I'm in trouble because I don't really have much of a sweet tooth, but I love pie. <laughs> so once I realized what kind of, what we were in for with this film, including the delightful Carrie Russell, I just kind of went, there's, there's no, there's just no way like this movie is going to hit a false note, knowing what I know about Adrian Shelley and her sense of humor and her, uh, just attention to, fully dimensional female characters that, you know, that they're flawed, but you certainly can, uh, have compassion for everything they're going through. And that's just her humanity shining through this whole romantic comedy. And yet it's, you know, it's also very dramatic in, in certain instances, especially when you are uh, exposed to what she's going through, uh, what Carrie Russell's character is going through with her abusive husband played by Jeremy Sisto. Uh, yeah, and that's unfortunate. Like, oh, God, Jeremy Sisto is always playing that kind of role. <laughs> but I don't know. I It's hard to talk about this movie, and it's even hard to watch it to some degree when you know what's happened to Adrienne Shelley. And I did an interview with her, um, her widower. I think that's mm. the right term, right? <laughs> mm. But, yeah, that was hard. That was a really hard conversation because – I grew up um, with the Hal Hartley films and followed her career, just found her a luminous presence. And, you know, she went on to be a a fantastic writer director in her own right. And this is probably the strongest example of that uh, because it has uh, an incredible pace, uh, some like absurdist touches here and there, but it's something like that wouldn't be out of place in the screwball comedy era, you know, or something like Gilmore Girls. So Mm -hmm. Uh, this is just completely 100 percent right up my alley, in, in every way—from from the cast to the writing to the directing to you know the heart on its sleeve—and of course, those pies look amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I will say I'm missing, and this is the one movie in the in the grouping that I haven't seen. Uh, however, I did see the Broadway play, which came out a- a- after the movie and after her passing, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it a musical? Yeah. I, 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 it's a musical. Right. Sarah Barillis did the music. Uh, my wife is involved in theater in New York. And uh, mm. um, yeah, it's a really special um, it's a it, it's a really special show. It's hard to convey the beauty of, of, of food in movies, especially pies and desserts. The way uh, the way. Uh, uh, it can be done in movies versus in theater, but they really, they really do get you to salivate. Plus, really get get a joyful experience. I, I was surprised to hear that they were making the move to Broadway, but they they executed it well. I think Adrienne Shelley would have been really proud, like you. Um, I, I I got to know her through the Hal Hartley movies. The final shot of Trust, oh, Lord. where she's standing there, and the and the and the lights are swinging behind her with that Hal Hartley score is uh, is as strong of an ending as can be. And then I, I have a real funny one of hers. Um I, I in my in my youth saw an early comedy movie of hers called Hext with Ari Gross. Yes. Are you familiar with
0: this? Yes. You know, that should have been
1: covered on our
0: nineteen ninety three episode, if I'm not mistaken. But we didn't Is that get that right. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: We missed it. It's a, it, it, you know what? It's got a dark humor to it. It's a funny one. I haven't revisited it in probably ten years or so, but I've probably seen it three or four times. And she's, she basically is, is pulling off the straight person in the movie. Right. And, um, but, but you know, I, I'm not sure she would love to be hearing that 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 we're that we're keeping the memory of Hex alive over a lot of her other great works on this. But, uh, but Waitress is, you know, is a legend that's going to live on for a long time. Um, the Broadway show is you know gets gets revived gets revived throughout the country a lot and um, and her memory lives on strong um, and uh, and obviously the the dessert elements of the film are are, are are of the of the play are very strong as they probably are in the movie. Yes and it's
0: the tragedy led to something like this play, this film and the mm-hmm. Adrian Shelley Foundation, which is, you know, a, a nonprofit that supports women filmmakers. So, you know, there's a, her legacy lives on and absolutely it's, it's tragic what's happened, but I'm, oh. I'm so grateful for the work that she's left behind. Cause, and, and this is just one of the best examples of my kind of romantic comedy. Uh, it wouldn't be out of place in the world of, you know, someone like Nora Ephron. And yet it's, it you know, it's completely in Adrian Shelley's voice and, her influence from Hal Hartley is shown as well. So let's get to our midnight snacks. <laughs> what, uh, what are some food movies that you want to rattle off really quick?
1: Absolutely. Um, uh, I, it, you know, I, I, I want to mention a few quick documentaries that I think aren't really well seen or well known uh, off the menu. The last days of Chasins" is something I discovered through um hmm. Listening, to, listening to Brian Sowers' uh, podcast, the Pure Cinema co- podcast. He talked about it about six months ago. It's only available on YouTube, and it tells. It, it's directed by Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini. They're, it's their first movie. They went on to do American Splendor and other great works. But it, it's about this restaurant, Chasen's, that was you know Hollywood royalty where presidents went to and queens would attend. Uh, but also where uh, Frank Sinatra had a table every single Friday night and uh, you know the lore is that uh Mario Puzo and him got into a fight there because Frank was upset about the Godfather thinking it was written about him but the movie is much more and, and why it speaks to me as as someone who works in the restaurant industry about the people who work in the in, in the place and it films the last five weeks of the restaurant where these there were these servers and maitre d's and and banquet catering managers are like playing that music on the Titanic as the ship is going down Mm -hmm. and sharing their love of, of being a server getting that joy from the industry, what they've given up for the business. And, uh, and and I think as a, you know, again, as a, you know, looping everything back to Babette's, you know, how people find meaning and can give joy to others along the way. This movie nails it. It's available on YouTube only. I, I watched it on YouTube. It's totally free, but it's certainly like a really, really great watch. Wonderful. I'll check um, that out for sure. Absolutely. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. It's uh, it's it's a very cool one. Um, going in line with uh, with the stuff and what you put there, got got to put a you know a bonkers selection on there. And um, from 1973, Marco Ferrari's *Le Grand Bouffe um, <laughs> is as crazy as a, of a movie and a concept that you wouldn't even believe it when 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 people tell you what the movie is about. But um, it's also a way bigger movie to Europeans who are like 35 and older. It's like a lore movie. And uh, and and the quick um, plot summary is four wealthy, successful men who are all played by the four biggest stars of Europe at the time: Marcello Mastrioni, uh, Ugo Tognazzi, uh, Michele Um, They decide for a weekend to rent a villa, and they decide to eat themselves to death. Oh boy! And yeah, it is it is lunacy. It is offensive. It is exhausting. But it is also exhilarating storytelling. The legend is that, that Catherine Deneuve was dating Mar- Marcello Mastrioni uh, when this movie was shown at Cannes for the first time. And she didn't talk to him for a week afterwards. She was so offended by it. Um, and in, in the, I, I really don't want to go into too much detail about it because it is so wacky and out there. Um, it's not a movie that can be made today. It's really racy. There certainly is, is scenes of debauchery where they do start to invite prostitutes to the house who then pick up on what's going on with them, and they run away completely offended by what they're doing. But uh, it's a it's a strong comment against bourgeois lifestyle from Europe in that times. And I think with this year, 2022, being such a year of so many movies with Eat the Rich, at the theme like triangle of sadness and the menu another food movie of course um, yeah it's uh, it, it's definitely one to check out uh, I, i'm warning people <laughs> it's you know it's definitely a would be a canceled movie if it came out now it's really racy but it also has in, uh, like a spirit I, I feel similarly to it than the way mo- i i do i feel about el, el, el topo i'm not sure if i like it but it's doing something that that you've yeah, that you've got to say you that you got to respond to and it's uh it's a lot it's certainly a lot but uh, I, I think I had to mention it I was talking about it with a with a few friends of mine who are um who are European and they were like this movie was publicized in Paris when it came out like the highest grossing movie of France at the time and like can wow. you uh, imagine like, it's a concept. Uh, you know, and a movie that that barely people know about. I think it's only available on like Tubi or like a really di- you know difficult site. The DVDs. I watched it on DVD years ago um, before the st- streaming services. But it's it's an experience, man. It really is. It's out there stuff. Sure, sounds like um, it.
0: But I'm all for it. <laughs>
1: um, my last one, which you know, as I said, like of the of the real greats. Um, You know, for me, it's it, it's Bobette's, it's Big Night, and, and the last one that I would really put on there for me is uh, is Tempopo. Absolutely, you got uh, it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, the 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 Noodle Western itself. It's it's unbelievable how this movie can work together. Um, how it feels like a Clint Eastwood Western, teaching. You know, with this guy coming off of a truck, teaching this woman how to make ramen and turn her shop into, into something and how funny and how playful it is and then how it weaves in all these other stories and all these other film tropes while showcasing in 1986, it was, it came out in Japan in 85 and came to America in 87, you know, no one in America knew what ramen was then. And, you know, today there's this ramen taco shops, you know, every, every fourth block in in, in, in New York and and just how this movie really can can weave that narrative between you know a what seems to be a you know a, a a food romantic movie with a gangster and his mole um with with scenes that look right out of nine and a half weeks um that are unbelievably sexy and sensual i think the most sensual food movie oh, ever made yeah. to
0: <laughs> i would to i would agree with that 100% it's it, it, it's yeah. certainly more sensual than nine and a half weeks when they're yeah. y- using food in a very ugh, kind of icky way. But that's just me.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and it has these side asides that it like dives into that you're like, how is this working? How does this narrative keep moving forward? And then that side is a reference to, you know, uh, you know, the realm of the senses or. Uh,
0: Did I lose you? Or even, oh, sorry. Yeah just lost you for a second but go ahead you lost me there yeah yeah go
1: ahead leave these different stories together well you've seen it what are are your thoughts oh geez well it's been a while since
0: i've seen it and i know that um the uh the secret santa thing that i do every year we watched it uh probably a few years ago and i was floored by it i really like again everything you're saying is absolutely true and it and it really showcases so much, but yet it all blends together seamlessly. And I just was, I had a whole newfound respect for ramen because I, I grew up with, you know, the, it being sort of like, oh, that's the stuff that all the college kids are eating, you know, because they're all broke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, there's, there's an art form to that. And
1: yeah, uh, the, the, the 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 moment the, the, there's a middle moment of the movie that almost feels like a John Ford <laughs> like uh, Grapes of Wrath where they meet all these like people who almost look homeless and then they they know so much about wine and food mm-hmm. and it's it, it's just wild how it, it weaves it together and then the how you have to respect the ramen how you have to talk to the ramen when you when you come into yep. it and that you have to and then they the 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 teaching to Tempopo it's the name of the lead character of how you have to watch the person as they're eating it to, to understand and see how much they like it. It's, it, it works together just so beautifully. If I, I were, you know, if I had to pick one, it would be my number one and, and would probably be in, in my top 10 films of all time. It is, it is a special work and have never seen it on the big screen. I, I, I hope I get the opportunity to at some point, but, uh, but it's really a special work.
0: Well, since you're out there in New York, I have no doubt that something like that could take place. In fact, the Music Box Theater here in Chicago, I sadly missed it. And you have no idea how oh. bummed I was that I missed it because they also paired it with food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. I'd be curious to see what they did. I can't see how I would do Even though I, I, I have Asian – my company has many Asian-themed restaurants. It doesn't have a clear meal that mm. it would pair well with. Whereas Big Night, I could certainly recreate the meal from that movie at at, at an Italian restaurant. So I, I I would be more inspired probably to do Tempopo because it would get more people to discover that movie. Yes. But uh, but um, but but Big Night still needs its moment too. It's it's what what is it? Almost it'll be thirty years in twenty twenty six. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. crazy. I, I, yeah.
0: I don't know. Time I, I, is scaring me lately.
1: Indeed. <laughs> Any other movies for you? Any other? Well, I, yeah, you, you brought
0: up Tampopo, but, um, I mean, certainly, uh, again, this has been a long time since I've seen this, but if you want to introduce your kids to a delightful movie, all about cooking and food, may I suggest Ratatouille?
1: <laughs>
0: because, you know, I mean, I, I, I certainly love the early run of Pixar films. And, you know, when we got to this one, I was like, well, it was all right. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Fine. Uh, But I go back to it once in a while and I go, this is just pure joy. And there's a reason why that character has been cemented into the minds of so many as like an all timer. And it it gets people excited about food, you know, and the the most recent iteration of it has appeared in everything everywhere all at once.
1: It is such a shock when it comes out in that movie. It's so cool. Oh, What a yeah. creative mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Rackakuni? Rackakuni, I, uh, I yeah. think. <laughs> Rackakuni. Yeah, I have a, I have a troubling relationship with Red Tui because my, my I have daughters that are now six and three and a half. And they And they're not able to get past. I might have started them a little too young. They can't get past the scene of the old lady trying to hunt them down Aww. and shoot them down with the guns. And, um, you know, we talked about kinder trauma earlier. Part of me just wants to sort of power them through and just say this is this is part of it. But I find a lot of the menacing things in current movies because you like to you, I, I want to take my kids to the movie theaters. Of course. I want to yeah. support. The and, you know, when I take them to things like that, I sort of have to because it's the only thing out there, like Rise of Gru or um, or or Puss in Boots. They have these menacing, villainous characters that it doesn't make sense. And, and, and when the movies don't have them like Laila the Crocodile is so joyful and Javier Bardem is so great. And like the, the, the sing movies, like I'm just so relieved that, you know, and it's often the music movies that don't have to have it. But Ratatouille is a special movie. I I saw it without my kids years ago and the way it, you know, the way it does the, you know, the food chef stuff is better, almost better than any live movies really ever done. So it's a credit to that.
0: Yeah. And, Um, as somebody who kind of was slow to love or fall in love with sushi, like it took a while. Mm. I don't know. I mean, again, like I wasn't the most adventurous eater growing up, but then, you know, I dated the right people or
1: (laughs) we just got more
0: adventurous with going out places, including one of these, um, like rotation restaurants where they have the sushi on these, like, I don't even know how you put it. Jeez, uh, it's going to bother me conveyor now Conveyor belts? Yes,
1: yeah, like a conveyor yeah, belt Exactly. I've seen that, yeah, on boats And
0: it's wild So, uh, yeah, Euro Dreams of Sushi Is an incredible documentary uh, About a chef, Euro Uno Or Ono mm. And, wow, some of the things that he's responsible for making You will be hungry for sushi watching it uh, <laughs> But it's just, again, like I... I did go through a period of time where I was all about food reality shows, um, -hmm. you know, like top chef that's still going on and I don't keep up with it the way I used to, but there was a period of time where I was just in awe of people who could cook in ways that I never will be able to. Uh, and certainly I've never even tried making my own sushi, but this film really, uh, was inspiring to watch somebody just basically live out their dream and, Become the chef that they were meant to be.
1: No, as as, as food documentaries go, it's uh, it's it's an amazing journey to watch them go through. I haven't seen it in ten years, but to know the detail that they go through to make the painstaking work yeah. of how early morning they're getting there just to create that one piece for ten people a night to eat, um, you know, humbles you in your own work and 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 obviously gives gives those people meaning for what they do and how, how it can come through in food. Great one. Absolutely great one, Jim.
0: Yeah. Makes you just yeah. talking about it made me want to watch it again. <laughs> uh, and that's the thing about all these movies too. Or get some great sushi. Yeah, no, for sure. And <laughs> again, like this isn't really food, but still it's, you do consume it and sometimes regretfully in large quantities uh, and you possibly wake up with a headache. Uh, but I'm talking about, a movie that made me appreciate wine more. And that would be sideways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and again, a, a, you know, a, a dark comedy, mostly about again, two sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're college buddies, but man, they're very different people to where I often question, like, would, would these, would, 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 would these two guys be friends in real life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause like, they're just, they're so different they're, and, and you know, just how they approach things like Thomas Hayden church is this l- happy go lucky kind of like, I just you know want to get laid all the time and, <laughs> and, and Paul Giamatti is just such a wine connoisseur and, you know, to the point of being pretentious about it. And, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of romantic aspirations cause he just doesn't think he's, you know, kind of find any or find a loving partner. Mm-hmm. And then he finds somebody and and in the form of a very early crush of mine, Virginia Manson. So (laughs) that monologue she has about wine is basically the whole audience falling in love with her and possibly wine. (laughs) And so, and that's the thing I like, I didn't really care that much about wine until I saw this movie. Then I started to care more. So that's why I put
1: it on the list, even though if it's not food, food, you know, Totally, no movie has done more for 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 the even the, the food or wine industry more than than what Sideways did for for California wine and just drawing people into Pinot Noir and lighter wines. It's it's wild that like post that movie how much just that that started shooting up and was, was was noticeable in our business dramatically. Um, I I love this movie uh, uh, deeply. My mother has a, has a really funny line on this movie, which is they are just lovable losers. (laughs) Uh, And it's And it is there. Any movie that's going to start where the main character is stealing money from his mother's wallet (sighs) and that we're still going to empathize with him. Every step of the way is a real feat of Alexander Payne. And how he can pull that off. It's so cool, man. And that, you know, and, and Thomas Hayden Church is such a jerk in the movie, yet we sort of love him, mm-hmm. you know, yet, yet we, you know, yet we, we enjoy spending time with him. And if that movie, you know, is, is on, it's very hard for me to turn it off as a big wine lover myself. Uh, it's a, it, it, it's a classic. It, you know, it's a movie that, you know, didn't, you know, two, two people, two stars, barely anybody knew. It really is a formative changing movie for the entire wine industry.
0: Yeah. With, without a doubt, without a doubt. So do you have yeah. a couple more and then we'll wrap things I up? I have
1: Two, two super quick ones. Uh, uh, one, um, one just from this last year, 2022, uh, is a documentary called the automat. Um, it's all about the history of, of the automat business in, uh, which started, um, I'm probably going to mess this up in the, in the early, uh, uh, 1920s, uh, where you would it, it would be these places where you would put 25 cents in and behind the counter would be a hot soup or, you know, a cold, uh, a cold nice sandwich and trailing this very successful business from Philadelphia to New York all the way through the late 80s and early 90s and what brought it down. It's pretty fascinating. Mel Brooks speaks a lot through it. A lot of, um, you know, older actors in the, in the, you know, 50s and 60s grew up in that time. It was a real place to meet there was some level of a CNBC and scene before real restaurants could be so out there. And it's a really well-told doc. That's not that super well-known. Well, shoot, and, uh, I'm going
0: to have to put this on within the next few days because it sounds great. Yeah. It's
1: uh, it, it, it's, it's a good one. It's definitely a good one. And, you know, and in, in this year, I was trying to try, try to keep a little, uh, keep up with what's going on. The last is a, uh, um, is, is sticking with you on the wine front. Uh, a really little wine movie called from 2011 called you will be my son. It's a French movie. Oh. Uh, really great. Um, I, I think it's only available on Canopy. I think maybe you can rent it on Prime. It's about a winemaker who's really debating if he can give his son his winery. Um, and really the, you know, his son's best friend and the neighbor, uh, because they grew up in wine country, is, is obviously always been involved in the business. He, he sort of comes back and the father really starts favoring him over his own child. And just sort of, you know, father-son relationships, how, te- how, str- how tough that can be. And, you know, in this day and age where um, uh, Succession is one of the most popular shows, it's sort of like the wine version of that. Not nearly as, you know, uh, globetrotting as that movie is. And the son is a, is a nice guy. Who just can, he can never do right in his father's eyes, no matter how hard he tries and what he does. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great work. Uh, but wanted to throw a, a wine one on there as a, as uh, as sideways is is you know just such a great work. Um, but Jim, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure of mine uh, to to be able to chat film with you. Me too. After having, having after having listened to you for so many years, and uh, and, and thanks for helping uh, bring along the the Babette's Feast. Uh, I really wish you could fly in if you could if you do a last minute thing. I got two seats waiting for you. Uh, you know, first cur- first course is turtle soup with sherry, so uh, <laughs> I don't think that'll ship too well on gold belly. So I think you got to have it in the venue. Yeah, no
0: kidding. You're right. I wish I could. <laughs> uh Just busy times, you
1: know. F- of course, day
0: job stuff, all that happening. Good. But hey, I'll be out there hopefully within the year. I mean, Bill. I love,
1: I- would love to have you at cathedral and see if I can make at least one or two of the dishes be a special the night that you, uh, that you come it would be my honor. Oh, to have that's
0: you. wonderful. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate your time and certainly your patronage and your support. Uh, it's again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's often hard to put into words, you know, how much <laughs> I I feel when people actually Support and, and care about what I do, because sometimes I just feel like, eh.
1: yeah, no, you get some great guests and you really talk about, you know, you get to the meat and potatoes of of, of some wonderful film conversations. Uh, if if people haven't listened to your discussion on tar, uh, it was with the, the best discussion on that movie in, in in the movie of the year that people want to talk about the most. And, and trying to break down that ending and, and understanding it from the different perspectives was really a, a great listen. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I
0: I always wish that it could just, you know, go back to the way it was with me and Patrick all the time because we have great conversations. But I'm so <laughs> thrilled that Bill is also a part of the team because he's, absolutely you know, a wonderful person in so many ways and does a lot to support me as well. But you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned meat and potatoes, and that's a great way to end this. <laughs> So thank, thanks again, man.
1: Appreciate it. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure for me. Bye-bye.
0: Interesting. Uh, here we go. Some more bonus content featuring my friend Marissa Robberkopf as we talk about the top 25 most popular snacks. Taco. Grande. Right now, I'm going to go down the list to uh, get ready to close things out here with the top 25 most popular snack foods in America. Yeah. It says salty, America. sweet, crunchy, or soft. Whatever you're craving, we've got you covered.
2: <laughs> Where does this list come from, Jim?
0: It comes from eatthis.com. All right. Eat it. Eat it. Speaking of it, number one. Or maybe I should start from the bottom. Should I start from start the bottom? Start from the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some weird choices on here. I can tell. Okay, number twenty-five. Talk about something that has nine thousand flavors now. Oreo cookies. Oh yeah, Oreos. I'm surprised
2: it's <sighs> not higher on the list.
0: Yeah, I am too. But okay, P- people love this shit, and I I'm okay uh, with it. I've
2: tried a lot of the flavors of Oreos. Um, there are some that I I felt didn't work, but some did.
0: Yeah. I'm not trying skunk flavored Oreos. No. There's just too many different kinds now. I get overwhelmed.
2: Uh, I did like, they had a marshmallow, like a toasted, mar- or Rocky Road. It was a Rocky Road. Um, Rocky Road? Yes. Of
0: course, I had to.
2: <laughs> so a Rocky Road uh, Oreo that was really good. There was, um, they had a blueberry pie one that was really good. I think it was a Target exclusive. Hmm. They had. Uh, it's out of control. Cinnamon one, oh the mis the first mystery flavor they had was turned out to be fruity pebbles. That one was amazing. Wow! And the second weird. mystery one they had, I believe, was churro. Okay. I think it- they just revealed what it was. I know it's. I think it was a churro. Hmm. Yeah, but it was really good. It was very very good.
0: It's out of control, in my opinion. But I'll yeah, try it some there's more. there's a lot, and why don't they have like a variety pack where you can ha- try different ones? They
2: should do that, yeah. You know? Or sell them in, like, little small packs. of Yeah.
0: Like I don't want to buy a big pack of something I've never tried, and I don't know if I'm going to like it. But yeah. I mean, it's worth the risk, I guess. Number 24 is half-baked ice cream, courtesy of Ben & Jerry's, which, mm. yeah. What's in that one? Chocolate and vanilla ice cream mixed with gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough and fudge brownies. Sounds simple enough to me. Can't go wrong with that. Favorite Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Well, anything with peanut butter. You know me.
2: Oh, yeah. Probably my favorite is either uh, fish food classic. Of course. Or um, I do like their oatmeal cookie one. Yeah. I think it's like a holiday.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: Which I know not, not many people like oatmeal cookies, but come on.
0: So people are going to get pissed off at me. I'm not a big fan of 23. Teddy grams. Like, I, I maybe for kids. I, I don't know. I, I just, mm-mm. I can't get, I don't know. Graham crackers.
2: I like Graham crackers. I
0: can like them, but not often.
2: I do like... I like to have, I usually get the cinnamon graham crackers. Okay. Those are my Th- favorite. Those are good. They do have cinnamon teddy grahams, I, I think. I don't know why I don't like them. Aldi makes Maybe it's just like a cinnamon graham cracker like, during the holiday season. They're like little snowmen. Okay. I, I buy those for like my lunches and everything. They're so good. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. Definitely one of the upper tier potato chips out there. Cape Cod. Flavored chips. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flavored? That's just the name of the company. Oh. Um, But they have flavors like slow kettle-style roasted red pepper and smoked Gouda bisque. Ooh. I bet it's very Gouda. It's very Gouda. And uh, I've had different flavors. I think there's a white cheddar one and just a good old-fashioned barbecue. Nice.
2: Can't go wrong with classic barbecue. Now, why? I don't
0: know. Okay, I guess this can be considered a snack, and I'm sure you'll say yes. (laughs) But string cheese. String cheese is a snack. Okay, absolutely. It says the perfect no mess snack. Pair it with some almonds and dried apricots for a satiating trio. I love oh, string a cheese. Old man. Satiating trio. <laughs> okay, and uh, twenty, definitely a, a favorite. Um, Let's I'll see. I'll see if you can guess this one. So, uh, I can't do the joke right. I can I can't do it verbatim and I can't do it in the style of Mitch God rest his soul. Um, but it's not tennis balls, it's cheese balls? No. <laughs> like what are you? It's a canister I,
2: I'm sorry. of chips
0: that are not normally you you can get them as oh, tennis Pringles, balls. Yes. Pringles. Pr- yes.
2: I'm not a fan of Pringles. That's
0: that's pretty wild.
2: I don't know um, uh, What
0: is it The texture Like what it's, is So here's
2: the thing They're different types of chips They are And it's weird I can't really I'll do my best to describe it So like When they're flavored Like yeah that You taste the flavor It's the aftertaste of Pringles I don't okay. like
0: Okay I can see that
2: Because I've tried I've never even tried the, Like ones from Japan And like Some other flavors there And it's kind of the same effect It's like Man I want to try this But it's I know I'm not going to like it <laughs> It's going to give me that weird aftertaste.
0: Controversy.
2: They have a weird aftertaste to me. I don't,
0: they're not my favorite. Yeah. They're not my favorite. I sound like Larry David or something. <laughs> they're, they're not my favorite, but I, I can eat them once in a while, I guess. Yeah. If if that's all that's around. Mm-hmm. But um, eh, it's almost like, what is it, munchos? There's a type of potato chip called munchos that are just basically like, They taste like potato cakes, really salty potato cakes, and they have a very nasty aftertaste to them.
2: Well, like I I remember, I know like Pringles are different. They're like it's the way that they're made that they have to be classified. They can't technically be classified as a chip. Ow! Uh, I don't know. I watched on Food Network. Okay. At one point, I bet. I bet it's on YouTube. What was that show that Mark Summers hosted? Double Dare. No, but on Food Network. But yeah, he did do Double Dare. But There's a lot there. of
0: food in Double Dare.
2: Right, but uh, it was it was well, like... I know
0: what you're talking about, but I can't remember. It was the
2: one where he was like, hey, let's learn about this type of food and how it's made. Yeah. I can't remember. I watched it all the time, though.
0: I don't know anybody who doesn't like number 19, and that would be Totino's Pizza Rolls. Oh,
2: hell yeah. Pizza Rolls.
0: Although they can get a little scary. You know Why? Why? Because you're going to bite into them, and they're going to be freaking hot. Oh, man. Don't burn your mouth. Yes, be careful when you're eating these people. Okay, now here's where we get crazy. Uh-oh. Because I know my mom loves these. Everybody I know loves these. I don't know why I don't like these, but it happens to be Fritos corn chips. Just the original boring old Fritos. I don't I, like
2: plain Fritos, no. I Uh, Why are they so popular? I don't like plain ones. Yeah, I I do like the chili cheese ones are all right.
0: I just can't get the barbecue
2: honey twists are really good.
0: I don't think I've had those. Those
2: are good. I'm not a big fan of regular Fritos.
0: (sighs) Yeah. It's just like really salty corn. Yeah. I don't know. So if you like Fritos, tell us why we're greasy. Yeah. Okay. 17. Not a snack. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, I guess people snack on this with their hands. Cheerios.
2: Yeah, it's any cereal. It's a cereal. I don't any know. Any
0: cereal can be a snack. I would not put cereal in my list. It would be a separate list. It would be like, you've these never, are my favorite cereals.
2: Clearly, you've never been out of milk and just mm. had a handful of cereal. I mean, it obviously depends on the cereal.
0: Yeah. Like, any flaked cereal wouldn't work. I mean, maybe when I was a kid, I just ate a freaking so like, dry Cheerios out of the out of the box. But have I ever eaten cereal out of the box just by itself? I, I definitely have. Hmm. Like,
2: if it's like Cinnamon Toast Crunch or something.
0: Yeah, I can see an argument for that. That's probably my favorite cereal, maybe. It's up there. Yeah. Oh, what a shot. Number 16 is hummus. Hummus. Yeah. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> you need labels. All right. Hummus is the best. Okay. Here's one I love. Probably inherited this from my mom. Pistachios. Oh, pistachios are so good. Yeah. Now this is what we like to call a healthy snack. It's a combination of sweet and salty. Oh, you oh, okay. When you add it to yogurt, that's interesting. I never oh. thought of that. I don't see why that wouldn't work.
2: No. Pistachios work with so many things. Uh oh,
0: something you can't have. Oh no. Oh, no, it's okay. Quaker sandwich minis, peanut butter flavored, which I have not to try I have not to try. <laughs> I have not oh, to try. Oh, are
2: those those like uh like
0: I guess you can, I don't know if School I can turn School lunch
2: it. things. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, I, they're, I've never even seen those. I
0: haven't either. Sw- sandwich minis.
2: Maybe they don't make them anymore. They're not made here. Hmm. Even though it's the top 25 snacks in America.
0: America. America. Um, <laughs> oh, God, no. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> Number 13. flaming. Hot Uh, Cheetos. At least it's
2: 13. It's not higher on the list. Although, how did that rank higher than Oreos? (sighs) If I'm (laughs) eating Cheetos, I want
0: to taste cheese. God damn it. Agreed. Uh oh, something else you can't have. It's okay. I haven't had these either. Jif power ups, creamy clusters their creamy peanut butter stuff
2: almost every (sighs) peanut butter thing has a almond butter or different that's true thing now which is fantastic not cool when i was growing up but now it's like yay
0: awesome Uh uh-oh planters number 11 trail mix can't have those Nope. but um these have raisins peanut m&ms yogurt covered raisins almonds and dried cranberries mixed with peanuts So there's a good combination in there as long as you take out the peanuts for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this happens to be a favorite of others, I'm sure. Okay, now, yeah, if you want, if you you got some salsa handy, you're gonna wanna get some tostito scoops at number 10. Gotta
2: love the scoops. Mm -hmm. Good for dipping.
0: Yeah, dip that shit. Okay, Mm -hmm. now, number nine, another controversy. Uh oh. I'm not a big fan of pudding. And this is Jello I, I can't do the impression anymore. God damn you, Bill Cosby. I like but Jell- Jello pudding snacks.
2: Pudding is interesting for me cuz I used to like it a lot as a kid. I still like it. I have to it's very rare that I get a taste for it. Yeah. Cuz I love butterscotch. That's another flavor that I really enjoy and Sure, I know it's, it's good stuff. It's hard to find butterscotch anything that's not pudding. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. Although
2: it's, I do prefer to like make the pudding than to buy the little cups. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm.
0: I guess I mean this is just your basic Jello pudding snack, and yeah, I, uh, eh, fair. And I'm not even a big fan of Jello. It's just I, too jiggly I, for me.
2: Another food that I used to like as a kid that I'm not cr- crazy about now.
0: Mm. So what, this would also be on my list. I'm just going to organize my list for the blog but uh good old-fashioned microwave popcorn oh classic yeah i can't I can't get enough of it, although I gotta say like i'm I'm also if you're one of those
2: schmancy was, people that can cook it on the stove even better, but some of us that's are true. lazy.
0: I was seduced <laughs> by in high school they you know they they had a salad bar and they had choose your own snacks area mm-hmm. And this was my first introduction to something called smart food popcorn, and it was just basic white cheddar smart food popcorn. Yep. And because it said smart food on there, I'm like, oh, healthy. It's got to be healthy, right? <laughs> it's not. No, it's cheese popcorn.
2: Basically, but
0: yeah. I love smart food cheese popcorn. The greatest
2: invention ever are those popcorn seasonings.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Because
2: yeah. I don't. I mean, everybody loves movie theater popcorn. Oh, okay. But Overrated. I, it's great. It's great. But then afterward, I always feel like there's like a rock in my stomach. Oh, sure. So it's just like, yeah. A whole no, country. Give me, give me the seasoning. Iraq. Yeah, yes. Iraq. <laughs> give me like the seasonings. I know, I noticed that some of these theaters around here tend to have them too. Mm-hmm. Or if not, if they don't have them to use, you can buy a little tiny bottle for like a couple bucks.
0: And number seven is a classic. And again, like I said, I, I prefer the flavored types, but once in a while you just want a good old-fashioned Lay's classic potato chip. Your potato chips are safe in my presence. Jays or Lays. Decide right now. Whoa. Whoa, Jays whoa. or Lays.
2: Lays? Yeah. I think you're right. Whoa, whoa.
0: That's a tough call, to be honest. Ruffles? Well, there's just so oh, many different types of chips too.
2: Ruffles. I do prefer chip. I will say this in in general. I do prefer chips that have some sort of texture to them, mm-hmm. like a yeah. kettle chip, or um, a, a kettle style chip, or, yeah, chip yeah. or ruffle. Okay. I didn't bring these, but I did buy them uh, recently in Chinatown. Okay. I haven't tried them yet, but they're these ruffled, like I can't. I should have taken a picture, but these interestingly ruffled uh,
0: barbecue pork potato chips from Lay's.
2: Oh, weird. Like Chinese
0: Lay's. All right. Number six. Oh, my gosh. It's such a classic. You can't go wrong with Schneider's pretzels. Oh, yeah. They also have a lot of flavors. They do. In fact, one of my favorite new flavors, I think it's a limited time only from Schneider's, is Parmesan garlic. Oh. You gotta get some of those. Yeah, I should have got some of those. I didn't look. Um... But they have, like, the sourdough bites, yep. rods, sticks.
2: I'm definitely a fan of, like, their honey mustard.
0: Yep. Honey mm-hmm. mustard and onion. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. So uh, here's another one I don't like. I've never been, like, huge in the fruit roll-ups, but this is something called fruit gushers. And I know I've had them. I don't I, think I like them.
2: Gushers are weird. I liked them as a kid. But it's just, like, a it's a weird, like, gummy texture. And inside, The like, the liquid. It had the weird commercials where the people's heads would turn into giant... Fruit, whatever.
0: Oh, man. I thought that was the new David Lynch movie. <laughs>
2: yeah, right? Fucking frightening.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, no, uh, I couldn't eat them now. Yeah, I don't know why they're... I not- like gummy candy. Why like, are they number five? I like certain gummy candies, but not... I yeah, mean, they have Why some- are they five? Yeah, yeah, why are they so high on the list?
0: I guess people like it when things gush in their mouths. Ooh.
2: Ooh.
0: Um... Yeah, it's
2: like, when you think about it, it's like a pimple popping in your mouth.
0: Yeah, that's kind of not right. (laughs) Sorry for that visual. (laughs) And I don't know why people like it. Okay, so number four, I'm back on board with Chex Mix. Yay! Just traditional Chex Mix. Um, Again, probably the favorite part of it would be the ride chips. I also like the little breadsticks. They're cute. Yep. And they also have different flavors, mm-hmm. including bold.
2: A lot of them do not have peanuts. Well, some of them do, so I can eat a lot of them. Uh, they have like dessert check mix now. I've had like a dessert? Cookie. Yeah, like cookies and cream oh, cu- wow. check mix or like a turtle I've had honey mix. nut.
0: I've had honey nut check mix. Mm-hmm. Those might have peanuts though. Probably. Um, number three, rice crispy treats.
2: Oh, classic.
0: Yeah. Can't go wrong.
2: Have you ever had.
0: Probably not. I, no, I made these. <laughs> I'm not as cultured I, as you. I've made
2: these at home, and apparently they sell them now. Like you know how they have little cereal bars, but um, instead of making, it's basically the same recipe as Rice Krispie treats, but instead of Rice Krispies, you use Fruity Pebbles.
0: No, but it's that sounds crazy.
2: Fucking amazeballs, uh, and I will make you some.
0: Okay. <laughs> now, oh, okay, number two. I've read a tweet recently that said, "Cool Ranch Doritos are the only good kind of Doritos," and I was like, "I disagree because I'm a Nacho Cheese. I don't know. I just like the boring old Nacho Cheese." Flavor. I mean, I
2: like Cool Ranch; but they're I also fine, like but this is number cheese. two. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, a lot of people, I think, will opt for the Nacho Cheese, but uh, Cool Ranch is definitely number two, mm-hmm. if not number one. But according to them, it's number two of all time.
2: I have. Uh, i did have a dorito a japanese dorito in one of my snack boxes a while back and I, but i can't remember what flavor it was hopefully it I'd wasn't have a look, cheeseburger no uh, but it was it, i remember it being interesting cuz it wasn't it didn't um it wasn't as greasy as like normal doritos oh uh,
0: okay but that's uh, one thing
2: i've noticed kind of across the board is that japanese snacks they tend to not be super sweet and not like overpowering with certain things
0: mm-hmm. I had a flavor recently called Jumpin' Jack Cheese or something.
2: Okay. Yeah, I've seen
0: that. It's pretty good. It is good. Yeah. I know they have other flavors. Plenty of other flavors. Oh, yeah. They have a jalapeno flavor now. Spicy nacho.
2: Pizza flavored at some point, I think they had. Eh, I don't know. I know they have the taco flavored.
0: Still my mom's favorite. I don't know if I've ever tried those. Mm, I guess it tastes like a taco.
2: I guess. I'm mad that... um, well, I well they still kept the nacho cheese Doritos Locos tacos at uh, Cars Taco Bell, but they got rid of the Cool Ranch. Mm. And some people that's weird. Well, I'm not a fan. I know some people are big fans of uh, the spicy Dorito taco. <sighs> um, but the best thing, then, got rid of the double decker taco because the best thing you could do is get a double decker taco. And opt to replace the hard shell taco with a Doritos Locos taco. That's
0: insane. And it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I think I, when I go to Taco Bell and I try not to make it frequently, I I, I sort of stick to traditional, like, crunch wrap because I like... Oh, I
2: love the crunch wrap.
0: I like everything in it so much, and it's such a I wonderful just, combination. I don't like that sauce
2: up. that they put on it.
0: Isn't it just nacho cheese?
2: No, maybe it is in that. It's like... What I'll do is I'll replace it with, like, the melted cheese blends. Oh, okay. That works. That's just personal. Okay. Same thing with the breakfast ones. Okay. I think they use, like, a spicy ranch on that or something. Hmm. Or maybe it's on the Crunchwrap Supreme.
0: I know
1: on the spicy tomato. No, not the Crunchwrap.
2: The the cheesy gordita crunch. They put, like, Mm. a ranch sauce on there that I'm not a fan of.
0: Mm. So I just replaced that with more cheese. (laughs) Speaking of cheese, number one, not my favorite. Definitely wouldn't even make my top 10. Cheez Its. Ugh. Number one. Cheez Why?
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, I used to eat Cheez Its when I was like a kid, but I don't eat them
0: now. Yeah, is, is this list for kids? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know, blasphemous, y'all, but I don't know. There's better things out there than Cheez Its.
0: And Teddy Grahams. I don't know. No, it says this is the most popular brand snack. What
2: year was that article?
0: That's a good question. Twenty nineteen.
2: Oh Jesus!
0: Yeah, Jesus. I know, right? Well, for me, number one, definitely pita chips and hummus. Nice. That's my favorite snack. What is your number one favorite number snack? Number one favorite snack. What is? What do you munch on the most? Because you have a wide variety, oh, clearly. the Most, but hmm. you know the 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 thing that you will opt to, the thing that you're like. I am not. I had a bad day. I need to just go home and munch on this because it makes me feel better. Uh, don't say that. Oh gosh, why? <laughs> no, it's
2: not that. <laughs> um, this is gonna be silly. It is gonna be silly, but um, because I guess it's not really a snack. Ice it can't cream. Be a snack? No. Um, crab rangoon. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's an appetizer. It's yeah. something that it doesn't. Um, it has sweet and savory no, flavor. No, if
2: I'm in like a bad mood or something, or like, or if like, I don't know. I can't think of, like, snacks, but I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to have pizza for dinner. I'm going to have, like, Chinese Mm -hmm. food or something. You know, something kind of comfort food. Oh, yeah. I guess my favorite snack would just be Kit Kats. Clearly. If I had to choose. Um, But, yeah, it's hard hard to decide.
0: It is hard to decide. Not for me. Pita chips and hummus.
2: Pita chips and hummus are awesome. I I think it's just
0: because it's easy and it's just, like... Yeah, if you get me some, like, uh, you know, Stacy's Parmesan garlic pita chips.
2: And I'll never say no to, like, a good cheese and crackers. Okay. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I've just eaten that for dinner, because it's like, I I work kind of late, so by the time I get home, it's a little late, and I may be hungry, may not be, and if I am hungry, it's usually just for a snack, so I'll just, I have, you know, some fancy crackers or some fancy cheese. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite cheese is Munster cheese. Oh, good. That's a good Um, one. I really like, um, Aldi has like these goat cheese logs. Yeah, I like them. With like cranberry and blueberry. Mm -hmm.
0: Those are really good. I wasn't a fan of the Crab Rangoon dip. I know you liked it, though, didn't you?
2: I did like it, but you know what I had to do? I had to add cream cheese to it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There was something
2: off. It was spicy, which didn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And I just added a bunch. I just took a tub of cream cheese and mixed it in with a dip, and it made it a million times better.
0: A whole bathtub full of cream cheese? <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing.
2: Right? Wow.
0: I'm um, just picturing myself bathing in cream cheese I right suppose, now. I uh, suppose,
2: like, uh, smoked salmon is another good snack.
0: hmm I mean, I'll eat salmon most nights, honestly. Like, that's my favorite thing to cook. It's very nice. simple. It's very healthy. A lot of fat, but good fat.
2: Put that on like some with a little bit of cream cheese on like a cracker or like a bagel. Yeah, I'm good.
0: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. I'm really getting sick of watching movies and talking about them. No, I'm not. uh, (laughs) I
2: was going to say, what?
0: All right, folks. Later, everybody. Thank you for listening.
2: I hear those ice cream bells and I start to drool. Keep a couple quarts in my locker at school. Yeah, but chocolate's getting old. Vanilla just leaves me cold. There's just one flavor good enough for me—yeah, me. Don't give me no crummy teaspoon. I know what I need, baby.
0: Chose chicken and a biscuit.
2: I like chicken and a biscuit.
0: I'm kind of hungry. Welcome to Dunder Mifflin. May I take your order, please? Yeah, I want go, find, Come over, form, the Will that be all? No, all. Oh!